Welcome to my lupus living room where we celebrate people living with lupus. My name is Suzanne. I am a mom, a wife, a business owner, and the CEO of the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter, and a whole lot more. But most of all, I have lupus. My purpose and my passion are to help other people with lupus. For me, lupus was a lonely, miserable, misunderstood disease. And I'm here to tell you that today, it doesn't have to be. I'm excited to welcome my not-so-famous guests and with their inspiring stories that offer hope and inspiration to fellow Lupians. I believe this project will not only create awareness about lupus, but offer encouragement to those listening. If you're interested in being a guest in my lupus living room, please call me at 1-888-NO-LUPUS. Welcome everyone to my lupus living room and I'm so excited to be here this afternoon. I have one of my favorite young ladies from Columbus. Um, we have uh, Katie Google, one of our chapter members, a chapter facilitator. She's been with us for several years, has always been excited and passionate about the mission at the Lupus Foundation. Hi Katie, how you doing today? I'm fine Suzanne, how are you doing? Well, you know, we're getting all revved up for the walk here. So uh, we have a lot of work going on and I'm excited about it. it I do miss the in-person relationships and the hugs and all that. But the goal right now is to keep everyone safe and, and not spread this horrible COVID craziness that we have going on. Well, that's, I know. I'm looking forward to being back together for the walk. Uh, but safety always has to come first when you're a lupus patient. That's right. So, Katie, you're an attorney by trade, so to speak. I uh, am. You are. Are you an active attorney right now, or are you retired, or what? Do no, you I I am active. And last spring, I even picked up a side gig as a pampered chef consultant. Oh well, two different uh, things there, but a lot of fun for both, right? Uh, yeah, the Pamper Chef is a lot more fun than some of the uh, litigation work, which, oh. which can be stressful. I can imagine, you know, being a business owner myself, I have been confronted many times with legal issues. I wish I had an attorney friend in my pocket, though, a couple times. <laughs> you have a taunting task. It can be very stressful with a lot of anxiety, and yet it can be very rewarding. So why don't you give us some information about your background, your journey, because Katie has lupus as well. So Katie, what can you share with us today? Well, what I can share with you is that um, my symptoms started in my early 40s. And um, I had what they call palindromic symptoms for about five years. I'm fine one day. The next day, my knees all swollen with bursitis. Two days later, I'm fine again. Uh, the only constant I had was basically um, the arthritic stiffness in my hands. And, um, you know, that was kind of the canary in the coal mine for me every day was how good were my hands when I woke up in the morning. It was the only constant. Everything else kind of came and went. And uh, my family noticed because we went on a trip to Mexico and so it was days after Christmas and I was very stressed out getting down all the Christmas decorations, packing. And then since I am a business owner doing all my end of year stuff before I went away. 
and then we're traveling to a sunny and hot destination. So what do you think happened? Mm-hmm. I had a, a flare. I didn't know it was a flare at the time, but I was stiff all over. I was so uncomfortable. Um, you know, and I'm sitting out in the sun every day, not knowing. Um, and of course, you know, that's what my family knows. They're like, something's wrong. You need to go to the doctor. But I came home by the time we were getting ready to leave. I was back to on the road to being fine. But by the time we got home, I was fine. So I didn't do anything, didn't do anything. And then um, five years after symptoms first started appearing, I got Bell's palsy in the spring. And of course, part of that treatment is they put you on a very short course of prednisone. And I was feeling awesome. I'm like, I feel better than I have felt in years. Um, And then sadly, you know, that ends and things started coming back. I started noticing that I was losing a lot of hair. And then it's kind of like, you know, is this something to be concerned about? Or is this just, you know, the natural shedding process? And then in July of that year, I caught a cold because I remember July 3rd, laying on my couch watching Red, White and Boom with the worst sore throat ever. And as my cold started getting better, I just started to like not feel myself. I didn't feel bad, but not myself. And then I started with daily fevers. I started rapidly losing weight. Um, I was very fatigued to the point where I dragged myself out of bed to go get a shower. And then I couldn't stand in the shower. I realized I had to run back to the bed before I passed out. And I went to urgent care uh, to see maybe I had gotten strep throat or maybe I'd gotten mono and they ruled that out. And the nurse was like, you really need to go see your primary care physician. But when I asked further questions, nobody would answer anything. And um, I, I was blessed by God because I have two annual appointments in July. My ophthalmologist, who I'd been seeing for over 20 years, and my gynecologist. And at this point, I'm rapidly losing weight. So my gynecologist, you know, is shocked because she knows me well. So she starts doing tests for my thyroid. My ophthalmologist found inflammation in both my eyes and he became very alarmed. And I knew him well enough at that point that it alarmed me. And he tried to get me in to see a retina specialist that day. Uh, But they got me in within a week. And by the time I got to the retina specialist, I had the butterfly rash on my face. (laughs) And um, the retina specialist took a really good history. And one thing, too, I was lucky about was when I was pregnant, uh, at this point, 13 years earlier, um, I had the antiphospholipid antibody. Oh, I did not have any other. I did not even have a positive ANA. And I didn't know at the time, but um, I was told by my perinatologist, he said, um, you just have a funky antibody in your blood. It's no big deal. You have to take a baby aspirin every day. But he said, you should know it is associated with lupus. And having that 
bit of information was something I was able to provide my medical providers now 13 years later as I was in a major flare. And um, so a flurry of tests between the retina specialist, um, my gynecologist also said, you've got to get in to see a primary care physician. And my last one had retired. So she got me in to see another one and he's running tests. And um, uh, so he sets me up for the initial appointment. As we come back two weeks later, I've again lost more weight. He does more blood work. I get a call the very next day from the nurse and she says, you have to come back in. We have more blood work we have to do today. And uh, based on your results from yesterday. And so I went in and the nurse says, I don't want to scare you, but he is this close to putting you in the hospital. And the doctor comes in with the blood work and he said, look, I have to run some tests to see about leukemia. He says, I really think it's lupus, but it's a great imitator. And we have to rule these other things out. Well, and he's like, you know, stop there for a minute, because for years, you know, I've been with the LFA for years. OK, and in the beginning, one of our marketing strategies was lupus is the great imitator because it, if the symptoms of lupus wax and wanes and it can it can be other illnesses. But it's funny because I haven't heard that phrase in years. And now you bring it up. And in the beginning, we used that the lupus, the great imitator. He wow. still says that whenever I see him. Um, actually, my uh, primary care physician, my retina specialist, every time I see them, like to discuss how bad I was when I was first diagnosed and how far I have come since then. Well, that's um, a good story. That's a happy ending there. That's yeah. A good one. Yeah. It is. And I was very lucky because my when I went in and that the doctor was running that other set of blood work, he said, by the way, I've set you up with this rheumatologist. When is your appointment? I said, well, they can't get me in for another two months. That's when it is. And um, by Monday, his office had called me and said, yeah, your appointment is now like next week. Um, so yeah, he moved fast to get me in just like my ophthalmologist moved fast to get me into the retina specialist. So I was blessed that I have a great yep. team of doctors mm -hmm. and they were all working together. Um, and they even explained, yes, we're all repeating some of these tests the same, but as my rheumatologist said, she said, I'm repeating ones I know have been done a couple of times, but I'm looking to see not only what you have, but I want to see the change if it's going up or going down. Um, and when I went for my second appointment with the rheumatologist, she said, well, we got your, your blood work back. And she said, you were positive for a lot. And she said, you weren't just a little positive. You were a lot positive. Mm -hmm. So I basically suffered for a good three months in this flare before I began to get treatment. So, so Katie, what was your exact diagnosis? Because lupus, lupus, so that you know, a few years from now, remember that I said this to you, okay? You, like me, we have multiple other illnesses, and lupus we describe as a disease today, but I think in the future it's going to be considered a spectrum of diseases. I wholeheartedly agree with that, and um, you both, you know, my good friend Renee, 
who mm -hmm. used to be the facilitator in Westerville. And um, I always borrow her saying, which is um, lupus doesn't come alone. It brings house gas. <laughs> so my official diagnosis is systemic lupus, Sjogren's syndrome, Raynaud's, and mixed connective tissue disease. Um, and I, at the time of my diagnosis, because um, I have an addition of the rheumatologist and the retina specialist, a gastroenterologist. Um, and then I also see a dermatologist and, you know, there's a couple others thrown in there. Uh, but I really thought somebody was going to hand me a brochure and, that would say, all right, you've been diagnosed. Here's what it is. Here's what to expect. And, and I got nothing. I mean, there was just a big vacuum there. And I thank God for the Lupus Foundation and for your office, the Greater Ohio Chapter, because I realized if I wanted to know more so I could better manage this, I had to seek it out. And I found you and I called the office and I got the new patient folder. I signed up for the new patient education and that just, I'm just tremendously grateful because that really started me on the way to managing things. Yeah. Um, Katie, I am so happy you were, I am not paying Katie to say this, okay? But I am so happy she's saying this because it's true. When you leave that doctor's office, what are you given? Some, sometimes absolutely nothing but fear. And what do you do? You're going to go home and ask Mr. Google and that needs oh. interpretation. So, yeah, self-management, taking control, reaching out to the foundation. I can't imagine anyone embarking on this journey without visiting the new patient education class. So thank you for sharing that. Now, that was tremendous because one of the things right away, not only was a fast track education, but there were resources. Audrey had a whole stack of books and on top was the one that I went out and got that day was the lupus book by Dr. Daniel Wallace sponsored by the lupus foundation. And, um, I have since bought the latest edition because we're always finding out new things. And so you need to stay up on the new research and the new information they're finding. So you can continue to better manage things based on new information. And that I love because it explained what, not only what it was in very technical terms, but it talked about the blood work. And now I could go back to my medical records and now I could see what my doctors were seeing and understand it. And then, you know, when I have new symptoms occur or something pops up, I go back to that book as a reference to be like, is this lupus or is this something different? And, you know, what does it say? So, um, and I love the summits because every time I go to a summit, I walk away with new information that helps me. And sometimes I walk away with information I know, but it's been shown to me in a new perspective so that I realize, oh, like with the sun. I kind of always thought of, I can tolerate a certain level of sun. And then I realized walking away from a lupus summit, there is no threshold. Anytime you're in the sun, if you are not properly protected, you are risking bad things. Bad things. Yeah. So let me share about the book. So Dr. Wallace actually 
was part of the uh, LFA board many, many years ago when I was on the board, okay? And he is a loopologist. He is, um, he, I think he's still even practicing as the doctor of the stars in, in, over in California, okay? So we kind of lost him to all the, all the mega stars, I think. I'm, ju I'm just kidding, but he, he did head that way. But every year he writes the lupus book, and I'm going to, not every couple years he updates it, but it's like the lupus Bible. I can't it imagine is. embarking on it because if you want something answered, you go to that book. Every few years, he updates it. And one thing that we take pride of at the LFA is we are about we are the leading source of the latest, most accurate information there is about lupus. And I'm very happy to share with you today that information is changing constantly, constantly, constantly. Quite honestly, I didn't. I wasn't supposed to live this long to see this. Okay, um, I was given a death sentence many, many years ago, and I, I just celebrated my 70th birthday. So I'm really excited that I made the journey. But it was a challenging journey. But I never thought I would live to see the new breakthroughs, the research, the new medication. I'm just it's my heart is my cup overflows. Well, I, I agree, and happy birthday, and congratulations. Um, I feel the same way just since um, the eight years I've been associated with the Lupus Foundation. The strides that I've seen, um, and even just, I think, establishing the new research protocols to help new drugs get tested to bring them to market. And... Um, you know, if you if anyone out there is seen about getting involved in the advocacy, I strongly encourage that as well. I've done it at both the state and the national level. And when you see what the Lupus Foundation is doing to help us in terms of resources, patient programs, research, it is thrilling. And it makes me very proud to be associated with the Lupus Foundation. We're, we're very happy. And just delighted to have you be part of our lupus community. Pleasant, pleasant addition to it. So, well, thank you. I just, I don't know where I would be without you guys, truly. I mean, education is power. And the best way to learn to manage your condition, your disease, is to be educated about it. That's a challenge. So when the doctors, you're diagnosed, the doctor says you're diagnosed, you go home to Google, bad idea. You should go to the Lupus Foundation or reach out to someone else who has lupus. Peer-to-peer -peer support is absolutely wonderful. So at the Lupus Foundation, we have immense number of programs. We are trying to provide as much as we can across the state during this crazy COVID pandemic world that we're living in. Uh, we have support group facilitators, we have patient navigators, we're making community partners, but we are still not meeting in person. And the reason for that is, um, and I blows me away at this, half of our population, our lupians, have not been vaccinated. Wow. Um, many, it's not just about the general population, it's us specifically. And, and, you know, I'm totally not that surprised because the whole time growing up with lupus, and of course, I was young. I was 27 when I was diagnosed. Um, I was six since nine, but misdiagnosed until I was 27. But I was always embedded in me that we have to be very careful with vaccinations. You can't have a live vaccine, da 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 So I was anti-vaccinated until this year 
when my niece got COVID and spent um, 90 days on a ventilator and we almost lost her. Okay, so I did go get vaccinated. Now, the challenge, the fear factor here is, is that some of us may have to come off of our medications to take some of these vaccines. And it could be risky. We could risk a flare. But you need to have this conversation with your doctor because a flare could be managed where COVID might kill us. All well, right? and you so please have that conversation with your physician. And every one of us is different. And we're not the same lupus patients we were 10 years ago. Okay. They are endorsing vaccination. We may have to make some adjustments, but this COVID could kill us. It well, could. it could. And uh, like you, I had a very close friend of mine, under 65, no preconditions, uh, caught COVID last January, spent 94 days in the hospital. And um, I won't go into all of it, but he just got his last tube removed within like two weeks. Um, you know, he ended up with a bed sore that went down to the bone. Mm -hmm. and, um, it actually caused him to develop diabetes. He didn't uh, have it before. He's yeah. got it now. And so it did all kinds of things. And um, it's, as I tell people, if you get COVID, it's not just whether or not you survive it. It's how you come out the other end. Because I know as a lupus patient, I don't want to end up on another drug or seeing another specialist. Mm -hmm. And if you get it, we're more we're already more inclined to throw blood clots. So mm -hmm. um, and we know that COVID patients throw blood clots. So um, I am fully vaccinated. I was sent to get my third dose actually uh, this past Tuesday, but I did have a. Um, bit of a flare that needed a little bit of medical intervention. And um, so now I got to wait two weeks uh, before I can go get that. And then I will miss a dose of my, one of my immunosuppressive, my only immunosuppressive drug. Mm -hmm. um, but that's okay because uh, I'd much rather take my risks with that than with rolling the dice with COVID. Because yeah. And I know everybody wants black and white answers, but the reality is science doesn't provide it all to us. And there is risk in certain things, but we don't do know that our immune systems and many of us have many issues. And I do know several patients, uh, fellow Lupians who have gotten COVID and they're vaccinated and they really feel very strongly that if they did not vaccinated, it wouldn't have acted like a flu. It would have been deadly. I know people who actually don't have pre-existing conditions who then caught, after being fully vaccinated, caught it and said, oh, I'm so glad I had it because we would have been dead. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. We got to do what we can do. And that's the mask and that's, but you know, look, you are the master of your own body, but don't do it alone. Talk to your doctor. Exactly. Okay. Don't listen to your brothers, your sisters, your fathers, your mother, the neighbor, the mailman, the beautician. Okay. Your doctor knows what's going on with you. He knows how he's treating you. And that is the best place to, to help make a decision. Well, so, Katie, I, before we run out of time, you lead a support group someday. So now you're doing it virtually. And we know that a lot of people don't like the virtual. I think they're Zoomed out. Okay. I know they miss that in-person huggy, touchy where are you kind of thing. 
So um, any suggestions? You're doing a virtual group right now, right? I am, I am still virtual right now. And uh, what I really try to do is to have a topic to discuss um, in addition to how everybody's doing so that uh, people who are Zoomed out have a reason to maybe tune in. Uh, what I have found early on before uh, people, and I do know one person said to me, she's like, I'm just zoomed out, you know, I'm with this group and that group. Uh, but that being said, I have found some lupus patients have actually embraced it because there were times that their lupus had them so fatigued, they could not have gotten themselves physically to a meeting. And so they are grateful that um, since we are virtual right now, they can come into the group from the comfort of their couch. Yeah. And uh, that I think has been a great thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so coming soon is going to be a virtual pajama party. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do that. All right. Because I know most of us, I, for me, a good time is, is when I get home is putting my pajamas on. That's, that's the best part of my day. <laughs> I know if there is there is something about that point where you can just sit there and kind of take that big deep breath and be like I, I made it through I made it through wow and, uh, so, so all right you've managed living with your disease you're doing okay you're doing okay you're not healed but you're doing okay any advice to anybody here anything special you're doing I would say a couple things. Number one, stay educated. Um, remember that what you know today may change through better science or science that builds upon previous science tomorrow. So keep yourself educated through summits, through the publications of the Lupus Foundation, through all the other resources the foundation provides. And I would say be diligent about noticing your symptoms and tracking them because it is so easy, especially if you're only seeing a certain specialist every quarter or twice a year, it's easy to forget. Oh yeah. I had that mouth sore. Oh yeah. You know, I did have that, you know, day where I had chest pain. So it's really important to be able to communicate to your doctor because as we've learned from Cindy Fisk with GSK, anything that we tend to think might be minor might signal to our physicians that we are having low level activity. And that means if there's low level activity, then you could be having low level damage being done that's accumulating over time. And we don't want that. Yeah, we want to stay ahead of it. Yeah. We want to stay ahead of it. And you have a family, you, you, you had a child, a successful, and is he still at home? Is he gone? She is in college. She is away at college and doing very well. Thank you. Um, and uh, she, it's funny, if she hears an, someone else say they have someone with lupus, or sometimes when she's wearing her um, no lupus t-shirt out, uh, she's gotten comments from people that didn't know. And they said, Hey, you know, my, my parent has lupus and Melina will use that to, um, you know, discuss it with them. Cause mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a child with a parent of it, 
that's an added stress because yes. they don't have any control and they're worried about you. And and that's another topic for another time is the children of Olupian. Um And, you know, I had two children. Um, the first one, um, I was diagnosed after I had her. That's what brought the diagnosis out. Okay. I'm sorry. Can you hear the... Um, they should be gone in just a second. I have no control in the when these guys show up. Okay. okay. Well, then we're going to we're going to pause here and we're going to say thank you, Katie, for sharing with us. Um, you 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 display wonderful information and I'm glad you're doing better with lupus. Um, and it's nice to know that you facilitate a group and that 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 peer to peer uh, presence has such great value, especially since you're so articulate about everything you say and do. So please join Katie's group. And Katie, what night of the week do you meet on? It is the third Tuesday of every month at 6.30 p.m. And if you're sitting out there thinking, I'm not the kind of person to do a support group, just try it because that's what I thought, but I went anyways, and I was so glad that I did. Well, I'm glad. I wonder if it's the word support group. I struggle with that all the time, okay? We did create another program called Let's Talk, but that's where we have a physician on and he's talking and we're listening. Um, but this is peer-to-peer -peer support. And, you know, sometimes um, our lupians do okay and they leave, but they should stick around because they need to be supportive of someone when sure. they're down, just like when you're down, someone's supportive of you. And that, you know, that's why I continued to go before I was a facilitator because I wanted to pay it forward. And people forget that, and it uh, gets a little frustrating when somebody new shows up, they've been diagnosed, and they're complaining about things about that I know a prior member has experienced and conquered. And I, I always think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here, that they could mm -hmm. hear from them and share that story to be able to say, there's light on the other side, you will get through it, you know, and uh, that is really so important. Is. It, it really is. And I'm going to echo that. You know, when I was diagnosed with lupus, and I tell everybody, everybody has heard me say that, but I'm going to say this again. Lupus for me was a lonely, miserable, misunderstood disease. Today, it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm not talking about leaning on your family. I'm talking about leaning on people who, who are walking in your shoes. Some have been successful. Some are still stumbling. But there's a great value in peer-to-peer -peer support or conversation. And that old cliche, misery loves company, it's true. Because our family, we keep complaining to them. We take it and we give it to them. They don't know what to do with it. They feel bad. So we're adding more stress to them. Let us stay within our, yes, you need them. But for real deep conversations or sharing, share it with someone who knows or someone who's championed it. Or maybe you can help that someone who's having struggles themselves. So Katie, I want to do a shout out to you. Thank you very much. Oh, thank um, you. Um, we are so blessed to have you within the organization. Um, I don't know what this year is going to bring for all of us. Uh, right now our in-person meetings are all paused, but we picked up many digital programming such as the podcast, such as the blog, the digital magazine, the Let's Talk program, all the emails you're getting. You should 
open the emails from the Lupus Foundation. We don't always ask you for donations, just for the walk and at the end of the year, okay? Um, but I hope you, wherever there's a support group in your area, I hope you chime in, okay? And Katie, you stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and thanks for all you do. And thank you, everyone, for joining our Lupus Living Room today. Thank you. I appreciate being on. And everyone else, stay Bye -bye. healthy. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye, Katie. Bye, Suzanne. Again, bye, Katie. And again, everyone, this conversation is meant to be informative. Uh, you rely on your doctor and how you are should best be treated for your condition. Thank you for joining the Lupus Living Room. Remember, there is no I in lupus, but there is an us. Until next time, this has been my Lupus Living Room with the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter. For more information and resources to help you in your lupus journey, please visit lupusgreatohio.org or call 1-888-NO-LUPUS. The funding for my Lupus Living Room is from an earmark from the state of Ohio and managed by the Ohio Department of Health. Your physician is the best person to help you in the treatment of lupus. The information you learn here today can be discussed with your doctor. As your physician knows your medical history best, do not make any medical changes without consulting your physician first. As with any treatment, stay educated and get information from trusted sources.